0: The following is a presentation from the 2016 Israel LobbyCon held at the National Press Club. Thank you, Dale. I'm going to be drawing uh, some interesting facts from that book launching today, Big Israel, and really structuring it into 10 ways that the lobby moves America. Now... I'd like to start off with some figures from a poll that was conducted last week in four countries. Statistically significant Google consumer research asking a fundamental question vital for understanding the current situation in the Middle East. And that question was, which of the following do you believe to be true? A, Israelis occupy Palestinian land, B, Palestinians occupy Israeli land. As far as I know, no one's ever asked this question to a statistically significant audience in four countries. Our friends across the pond, the Great Brits, 62% of them believe that the Israelis occupy Palestinian land. If you go up to Canada, a majority of that population, 51%, Believe that Israelis occupy Palestinian land. If you go down to Mexico and ask, ¿Cuál de las siguientes crees que sea cierto? You'll find that some 55% of Mexicans also believe, the majority, that Israelis occupy Palestinian land. There is only one country in North America that believes the opposite is true with the majority of us, Americans, 49% believing that in fact Palestinians are the ones doing the occupying. Now why is it we're so out of sync with these other countries? What is it that we know or are told that they are not? I'd like to remind everybody of a statement that Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu made back in 2001 that was only really circulated in 2011. And that was that his perception was, as told to West Bank settlers, America is something you can move very easily. Move it in the right direction. They won't get in our way. What was he talking about? What moves America? Why is it, as uncovered by Edward Snowden, that across federal agencies, perhaps unbeknownst to many Americans, that a policy doctrine, that the survival of the state of Israel is paramount, the paramount goal of Middle East policy? Well, I would say, many would say, more are saying it's because of the Israel lobby. Note that I'm not saying what was said in Valentino's Ghost, the Jewish lobby, because that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Israel affinity organizations that are tax-exempt charities that have as a primary objective the advancement of Israel. Together, 336 of these, which are included in the big Israel study, which went through 4,000 tax returns and a great deal of internal documents obtained by FOIA, 336 of them make up what I'm calling the Israel Lobby. Now, there are five false narratives about the Israel Lobby that it promotes. Number one, that Americans who are Jewish are all Israel Affinity Organization members who support lobbying from these groups. False. Number two, Americans who are evangelical Christians are major forces in building this Israel Affinity infrastructure. False. Number three, Israel affinity organizations are broad, diverse, with a great deal of member support, false. Number five, that Israel affinity organizations are representative bodies, false. And number five, Americans who generally favor Israel, which is true, generally, are also generally favorable toward massive foreign aid packages, false. Establishing news media generally helps amplify these claims and does, generally, a great job saying that the major organizations represent populations unequivocally. If you saw reports from the battle over the Iran nuclear deal, you saw announcements from the Anti-Defamation League, the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee, the American-Jewish Committee, the Conference of Presidents of major American-Jewish organizations, all saying that they were opposed to the deal. So, Americans who were Jewish must have been against the deal as well, right? Wrong. In fact, American support generally was about 53%, whereas Jewish American support was at 59%. So, if we look at the latest Pew Charitable Trust uh, survey, you find that 82% of the Jewish population of this country does not belong to such organizations. They're only somewhat attached to Israel, 70%. Uh, most have never traveled to Israel, 44% think settlement building is a bad idea. If you take that <clears throat> remaining 18%, multiplied by the adult Jewish population, it's about 774,000, or the population of Charlotte, North Carolina. And the lobby knows and talks about this internally, saying, you know what, someday we're going to be challenged on these numbers and all of these broad claims. So, who does the lobby really represent? Well, the views and concerns of mega donors, for sure, the views and concerns of a relatively small group of <clears throat> boards of directors and top officials, and of course, the Israeli government, with which many are in direct and ongoing consultation. If we look at donor concentration and control of some of the top organizations, we find that within the Republican Jewish Coalition, some 143 donors give 76 percent of the funding. At APAC, 1,700 donors give 56 percent of the funding, with a top donor giving 13. Uh, casino Mogul Sheldon Adelson donated a million to ZOA, the Zionist Organization of America. That was 20 percent of their 2013 funding. There's extreme donor concentration at many of these advocacy organizations within the Israel lobbying ecosystem, and governance, as reported uh, in some parts of the press, is extremely unrepresentative, despite bylaws, despite occasional voice votes, many Israel affinity organizations are authoritarian. The boards select their own members. They hold pro forma voice votes. And of course, uh, many of the CEOs have been around for a quarter of a century or more. If you look at Abraham Foxman at the ADL, he's been in place or was in place for 28 years. Daniel Pipes at the Middle East Forum, in place for 26 years. Mort Klein of the Zionist Organization of America, 23 years. Now, the average... Tenure of a corporate CEO is less than 10. A college president, less than 8. I would say that the rotation in governance kind of reflects the stagnation and lack of representation at many of these organizations. Now, another false uh, concept is that Christian evangelicals are a major portion of building the Israel lobby in America. And yes, there are 80 million Christians who are evangelical. They've been courted by the lobby since the 1960s, almost constantly. Many of them, of course, do vote about their feelings for Israel in American elections. But when you peel back the layers, you see that organizations like Christians United for Israel receive their seed funding from large Israel lobby donors to install their fundraising Software, Conveo, as it happens, to pay for massive public relations campaigns at Burson Marsteller, as it happens. And that they're really not very big. $2 million at Kufi in 2007 revenue before it went dark under some IRS regulations, and then 2012 revenue at International Fellowships of Christians and Jews was $113 million. So. There is a false idea that these are major, major forces in the Israel lobby. What we do know, though, is that Americans generally, if you ask them favorability ratings about Israel, they're generally favorable. Most uh, are favorable, 59%, 41%, not favorable, don't care. We've given over $250 billion of aid to Israel, far more than any other country, inflation adjusted and a large portion of aid is classified. President Obama made a statement at American University that it's now unprecedented, but you can't get the figure for intelligence aid. If it's unprecedented, and we know it military aid, it's either 1.9 billion a year, or 13.2 billion if the president adjusted for inflation. But when you ask the CIA, which must be handling intelligence aid to Israel, they say, sorry, that's classified. And we're suing him for that information, by the way. Uh, 2014 poll. When you ask Americans something beyond favorability, when you ask them about the aid, and ask this question, the U.S. gives over 3 billion annually, or 9% of the foreign aid budget, more than any other country. This amount is question mark. Statistically significant 2014 survey conducted through Google Consumer Research 60.7% 60.7% say it's either much too much or too much. 25%, 25.9% say about right. 13.4%, too little. Well, this is an old poll. Surely this is a fluke. You know, these many, many, many respondents must have given, I don't know, some, there must have been a fluke. Well, no. 2016 conducted again this month. The figure has risen to almost 62% who say it's too much or much too much. This is a specific question with information sufficient to make an informed answer and the movement is against, generally against, foreign aid. So these five false narratives that are used to move America uh, can be, should be challenged. Now I'd like to move on to five more about uh, a variety of subjects. If we look at uh, state and local governments, there's an absolute explosion in activities and lobbying on behalf of Israel. A great deal of this is taking place from Jewish community resource, or excuse me, Jewish community relations councils, which are inside large foundations. They're distributed across every major population center. They function under the old American Zionist Council model, in which, like APAC was back in the day. Just a little committee inside a big organization, that's what they do. They lobby as unorganized, unincorporated committees. Well, that stopped for APAC back when the Kennedy administration told the AZC to register as a foreign agent. Six weeks later, APAC broke off and finally incorporated. The community relations councils, however, lobby the way APAC. Uh, used to lobby without disclosing very much, and some top APAC lobbyists are terrified – these slides will be online at the end of the day, by the way – terrified and quoted saying that he would sure hate to see any of this reported properly. Uh, so what we have in terms of the prerogative of the presidency to take away Iran sanctions, <clears throat> it's hard to unwind all of these state-level Iran boycotts, When we talk about the president maybe wanting to be in charge of whether law enforcement is trained in Israel, uh uh-uh. If we talk about changes to state pension funds to allow the purchase of more Israel bonds, that's not an executive prerogative anymore. In fact, California would love and pass a resolution saying that California believes Israel's borders should be determined by the government of Israel. Um, State of California State Legislature. This is uh, a a type of resolution you see passed in many state legislatures, but when you ask Americans again in a statistically significant poll the following question, Congress and state legislatures pass scores of resolutions condemning Palestinians and voicing unconditional support for Israel every year. Do you support this or not? Almost 70% say these resolutions don't represent my views. So this is not representative government. The, uh, one of the JCRCs that does report, which is a big force in greater Washington, raises, for every dollar it raises, it extracts $1.58 in tax dollars for Israel. It's very active. It's building Israel Affinity Organization buildings on the taxpayer dime. Uh, it's doing all sorts of trade development and international studies and scientific endeavors on the state tax dollar with Israel. So there's a great deal of activity going on at the state level. Another thing that's very interesting is that Israel affinity organizations, a few of them enjoy a high level of criminal immunity. And this has been going on since the 40s. The original organizations involved in conventional weapons smuggling to Jewish fighters in Palestine, there are only a handful of indictments. Uh, the Zionist Organization of America has received seven foreign agent registration orders. Uh, there 's never been any high level criminal prosecutions over nuclear smuggling, which Dr. Matson will be talking about. There's no high level prosecution for espionage. There have been solid cases against APAC in 1985 and 2005, all shut down by the Justice Department. the ADL holding classified information in the '90s, shut down by the Justice Department. Uh, United Against the Nuclear Iran was conducting a smear campaign against a Greek shipper. It held classified information, the Greek shipper sued, the Justice Department waded into the case and shut it down. The Justice Department is uh, losing a great deal of credibility by never seeming to be able to uphold the law when it comes to espionage cases. Um, finally, number eight, Israel Affinity Organization activities inside executive, state, and federal agencies. Uh, we see a wave of political appointees who are becoming known for lobbying, advocating on behalf of Israel within federal agencies. Dennis Ross at Department of State, Neil Shear at the Justice Department, Josh Mandel, who bought $80 million of Israel bonds after changing state pension fund laws and lobbying to buy more for the Ohio State Treasury, neoconservatives at the Pentagon, which we are hoping Jim Loeb will cover later today, Stuart Levy and David S. Cohen at Treasury, conducting economic warfare against Iran, unaccountable to public inquiries, but always seemingly meeting at the Washington Institute for Near East Policy to give private briefings. The FBI ADL liaison, which I go into great depth in my book, which has been ongoing since the 1950s, and various IRS commissioners whose scorecard on creating more intransparency for Israel affinity organizations or ignoring congressional requests to investigate various groups has been ongoing since the 1960s. And with this level of what I would call regulatory capture of some key agencies, you of course have abuse of tax-exempt status. Now, before many organizations became Israel lobbying organizations, they were in fact holding clear social welfare purposes. Immigrant aid, life insurance, cultural and educational endeavors, charitable hospitals, so this first wave that started in the mid-1800s, tended to reduce government burden, which is the actual reason that organizations are given tax-exempt status. But as we've moved on, and since 1948, many of the organizations are not really offsetting any government burden, they're creating more government burden. Whether it's lobbying uh, for increased kinetic action against Israel's uh, enemies, which is what they, that's how they talk, uh, or the Israel Project, which functions as sort of a PR agency for the Israeli government and attempts to leverage that into being able to quash who appears on certain programs. So we've been moving away as the lobby grows into the largest, collectively the largest charitable entity in the United States Uh, in 2012. It was about $3.672 billion. By the end of the decade, it will be at $6.2 billion. The tax burden that this creates directly means that Americans, just to offset the subsidy, will be paying about a billion dollars extra in taxes by the end of the year. And when you look at it on a chart, foreign aid versus the revenue raised by these 336 organizations our foreign aid to Israel, the unclassified what we know about, looks like a big matching grants program where as much money as these organizations can raise to lobby and spend and convince people to move israel 's way in the United States is not just simply matched by the federal government for the annual aid program, which will be a big topic i 'm sure at Apex convention next week so probably the most costly thing is the constant agitation for policies and military actions against Israel's enemies and we can see this as well in the United States when we do consumer research surveys right before the final negotiations over the Iran nuclear program 58 percent of Americans were so scared they were already convinced that Iran had nuclear weapons that's how far we've been moved and so I would argue, in my book I argue, that America has been too easily moved and that we're paying the transport bill and that only through much greater awareness and particularly focusing on many of these captured agencies will we be able to stop this downward spiral.